Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Planning a wedding is intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Design your dream suit at Indochino.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O dot com code PODCAST. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the you can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can't relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Have some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Yeah. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellar, one fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking in with my co-host fellas. How y'all feeling? What up? What up? What up? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. 
I'm feeling good, feeling great, y'all. You know, it's a lovely Saturday. We out here living life here. Beautiful Saturday in Dallas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here, checking in, checking in. Feeling good, feeling great on this lovely Saturday. Ready for this podcast. Got my mental ready for this podcast. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be the subject of this podcast. Mm -hmm. What are you doing over there, Jerry? All on alert. Hey, man, I'm feeling good. What's good? What's good, everybody? It's your boy Jared, another fourth of the Blackwell Renaissance checking in. And I'm feeling good today, man. I'm waking up and I'm thinking about it. Hey, <laughs> shit, I'm on it. Let's get this podcast rolling. I'm really excited. I like the little delay. That was another yeah. little spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. I, 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 y'all yeah. nice with that, man. I see what y'all doing over there, fellas. <laughs> but yeah, nah, I'm really excited to get into this episode. Our guest has been really interesting so far. I can't agree with all her liquor choices. <laughs> but <laughs> ready to get into this. <laughs> For sure. As my brother Kelly kind of mentioned, he hinted at this is going to be kind of a different episode of the BWR podcast where we're going to focus on the mental side of things. Well, yeah. mental health is well, like that's kind of the angle we coming at with it. And we have a great guest on today. This lovely young lady out of Detroit came out to the Dallas area. She is a creative entrepreneur that is tackling a problem that everybody has in a unique way. Through her platform, I remember her and her interactive journal that she has to help people get through dealing with loss. So I want to welcome Ms. Kiana M. Davis. Kiana, how you doing? What up, though, as we say in the D? I already knew it. You ain't from Detroit if you don't hit the what up, though. Say, what up, though? If you don't hit what up, though, you ain't from Detroit, man. Right. Don't forget the E at the end of the day. Exactly. Okay, exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, welcome on to the show. Like David said, appreciate you for flying out to Dallas to come click in with us, to come really just talk about some of this mental health, really just get into having a great episode about a topic that I think is starting to really become popularized, mm-hmm. but I think it's still not highlighted enough. Mm-hmm. Agreed, definitely. Especially like this past year, you know, all the craziness that's going on with the, you know, the virus and shutdowns, the pandemic, this overall people have been forced to focus on their mental health. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. in the midst of losing people, losing jobs, losing homes, people have been forced to look inside. Mm. Hey, that's real. That's real. So, so Kiana, I want to hop right off into it. And for all our listeners, can we get you to give yourself an introduction and kind of how you got into this mental health space? The funny thing is like, okay, so I'm going to give you like something real quick. So okay. there's a gentleman Shout out to Robert Courtney. Um, he does branding at home. Really cool guy. Really great platform. And we're doing a like a 30-day content challenge right now. Mm-hmm. And I literally was just talking about this. And I was talking about how things move where in a circle. So like you start off at one point and then you're kind of brought back to that point, maybe in a different way, mm-hmm. through circumstance. So I actually, aside from being a creative, I've always been innately a healer. Mm. I had an interest in going into medicine at one point. This is how much of an oxymoron I am. But (laughs) I got my creative brain, which is mostly dominant, but I have a very high level analytical side. So I was considering being a sports physician specifically. My mother Mm -hmm. was an occupational therapist, so I was kind of following her footsteps. So losing her, like her loss, actually put me back in that space of being a healer and going into the medical field, but just in a different way. Mm. That is crazy how life comes full circle. And uh, David always saying, you know, life moves in cycles. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, you got the peaks and the valleys. Like it always comes back, though. And it's crazy whenever it's hindsight, because now you're like, oh, I've been here before. 
now you can really appreciate it more and take advantage of the situation yeah. the next time as well. And sometimes you're like, say for instance, maybe it's something you thought of, mm-hmm. but you're kind of forced into it. Like you're running from it. You may have been running from it. You're calling, but your calling always finds you. And it don't take no for an answer. Mm. That's bars. Yeah. That's bars. So let's walk it back to the beginning. I know you mentioned the like the loss of your mother is what led you kind of down this path. Can we just like start from there? Yeah, most definitely. So I don't know how spiritual some of the listeners are. I ain't trying to spook nobody. But for me in particular, depending upon, like, I don't know, some of you out there may have lost people. Mm -hmm. Everybody's journey is different. Like for me, a lot of people, a lot of us are really close to our mothers. You know, we were raised by our mothers, brought up by our mothers. And there are certain things that's ingrained with you. And in the relationship between a mother and a son versus a mother and daughter, it's a different type of bond, especially going into adulthood. Like for a woman that's on good terms with her mother, you know, your mother becomes your best friend, literally. So that's what my mother was. That was our relationship. You know, we have very close spiritual bonds. So that transcended into an even tighter spiritual bond, even after she passed away. So my mother would actually, she's never physically come to me, like can see. But she's made herself known, if that makes any sense, hmm. especially in dreams. Like the first year and a half, I dreamt about her a lot. She would actually talk to me and tell me different things in my dreams. So like literally the book was not even on the forefront of my mind. Like I have a background in writing also. Like that's another one of my talents that I'm really good at is writing. But I never thought about writing a book until I had a dream one night that first year. I don't remember what she said or if she just showed up, but I woke up the next day and I just had a really strong urge to start writing. So that's literally how the book came to be. That mm. was the start of it. So with your mom coming to you, like with even the genesis of the book, around what age was this whenever you had lost your mom? Like, I know you say you're going into young adulthood. Was that like right around that time or had you already uh, been? No, my mom has been with me most of my life. Like I'm, you know, I'm past that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't look like it. <laughs> That's but, like black don't crack. Black yes, doesn't sir. crack. But no, her four-year anniversary would be on July 10th of this year. I got you. Before that, it was my grandmother. So those were, you know, like most of us, those are your two pillars. Those are your matriarchs. So it was the first matriarch passed away, 2014, the second matriarch. And now there's me. Mm. That's literally how it happened in the domino effect. So you woke up with this strong urge to write this book. Where do you start? Like, what are you going through? Like, what's your mental space and everything like this? Like, just take me back through that that time. It was like a really big transitionary period. Like, if you've ever experienced like something that catastrophic, you know, that monumental type of loss, you know, that puts you on your back type of loss. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. It's not just that loss. Other things happen at the same time mm-hmm. or around Life the same continues. time. Yeah. Like it happens in like literally like a domino effect. Threes. Like you lose, you lose somebody. You might lose somebody else. You might lose another person within a short time period. You lose your job. Like for me, it was she passed away. Um, I was working. I had a really good acting gig that was consistent. I lost that. My relationship ended. The lease up was up on our townhome. So we had to move. We had to figure out what I was going to move to. All that happened within a six-month time window. Mm. So that's normally how 
Oh yeah, I was overwhelmed. That's like to say the least. That was a minor. <laughs> that was like one of the worst years of my life. 2018 was the worst year of my life, literally. Mm. So like, imagine all that happened at one time, and you're still trying to come to grips in terms with grieving. You know, you don't even have time to process what you're feeling, and then what you're feeling. It changes. It's not just one specific, oh, I'm mad or I'm sad. No, it's literally like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, Six Flags, the roller coaster. That's exactly how it feels. So touching on it, it kind of made me think, like, I know people often mention the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you kind of walk people through yes. throughout the journal? Now it's kind of evolved to seven. But when I was doing my research, I specifically stayed on the five because those are the five most common stages that most people experience and everybody doesn't experience it the same way. So you might say, for instance, you might be angry. Being angry is one of the most common ways that people experience grief, but you might just experience that. You might still be mad. You may never come to the end, which is acceptance. That's when you come to grips with, you know, the person's not coming back. And then that's when you start to think, you know, how am I going to move forward and live my life without the person here physically? But it just depends on where you are in your journey. Like I've talked to all types of people and I'm I'm always randomly talking to people about this subject. God sends me people to talk to. But some people even 10 years like down the line, they're still struggling. Like for me, people are like, oh my God, it's only been how long? Four years? You wrote a whole book about this? You had did the speech? Like what? You brave, you strong. It's like, no, it's not just me being brave and strong. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I was called to do. So what do you tell people that do struggle with grieving? What is the best way to kind of deal with grieving of a lost one? I'm glad you asked that. That's something I'm working on right now. I'm actually working on a guide that's like going to be pretty simple and straightforward, at least like seven to 10 strategies that you can incorporate that you may already be you know, adopting, but just give people some ideas of what to do, especially when it first happens, because it does kind of send you into a tailspin. And then depend upon what other life circumstances you got going on at the same time, because everybody's different. You know, you might be dealing with some other things that, you know, expound and make that even worse. So pretty much one thing I tell people just in general, which I've had to learn how to do myself, is whatever you're feeling to accept what you're feeling. Don't try to fight what you're feeling. Don't make excuses for what you're feeling. It's okay to feel whatever you're feeling in that moment. Like embrace it. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to push it down or try to repress it. Hmm. And can you talk us through the five stages of grief? The, the, the you know, one is anger. You and then you yeah. said, you know, the last is acceptance. So the first thing is definitely like shock, you know, depend upon how close you are with the person. Like most people experience shock. Like definitely for me, you know, it was like, what? Mm-hmm. What you mean? Like, like I, no, this can't be real. This can't be real. Because I literally just talked to this person. Like for me, I just spoke with my mother the night before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you can be in the same household and not speak to somebody for a few days because you both got lives, different got things stuff going, going yeah. on. That would be like normal. So sometimes we come to going. So I'm like, you know what? We ain't really powwow. We always you know, did the woman thing, gossip mm-hmm. stuff about soap robbers and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, we catching up. Like, okay, our show, half and half nots. We talking about that. We catching up. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, good night. Mm-hmm. And then literally, my mother was uh, working home care, so she would go to patients' homes and treat them, you know, do the therapy. My brother talked to her that morning. 
And so, like, you don't think nothing of it. You go about your routine, go about your day. But I just had, like, a really strange feeling, like, toward the end of the day. Because I'm like, it's not abnormal. It wasn't abnormal for me not to hear from us the whole day, especially since she was starting back school. She was working towards her master's program in occupational therapy. And I just, I can't really describe it. I just had a really strong gut feeling that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, like, my announcement came, like, the police knocking on the door at 11 o'clock at night. So it was like... Yeah, that is shocking. Asking for, you know, do you know this, you know, Brandon Brand? I'm like, hold on, that's my mama. What? <laughs> What's up? You know? So that first day, most people experience is definitely shock. And then you go immediately into denial. And denial looks different for each person. Mm-hmm. Like me, I was still processing the shock of it. Like, because it's like, I literally just saw you. Like, which mean? And then come to find out down the road, once we had the autopsy and whatnot, it was nothing conclusive that made sense. That made it even worse. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, this person doesn't have any conditions that I know of. And then the autopsy didn't really reveal anything. So what what do you have to say to that? You can't, there's nothing that you can further say about that to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. So it leaves you with those questions. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're still trying to process and then you're grieving on top of that. And then for my brother, it was more so like, okay, I'm about to fall apart. And then for other people, like my aunts, it was repressive. Like, I'm avoid the subject, you know, because mm-hmm. so that's all denial. You're denying it because you're still trying to process what happened. And you still have questions, like you said. And this is a lot of times before the autopsy or if people even decide to get one, because some people don't even get an autopsy. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do then? You have questions unanswered, you know. And then pretty much the onslaught sadness comes on. Then definitely anger. And anger, like I was saying before, is something that you come out of or you don't come out of. But even if you do, like, get done processing and move further along in your stages and you start healing, there are still things that can set you off to being mad. You know, anger is something that we all experience anger. You know, you got different triggers that if you don't deal with, though, it can kind of catapult and transition to other things like depression. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know that depression and anger are, like, married. They go hand in hand. So a lot of times when people have are really, you know, have anger issues, they're depressed. And that's just a way for them to try to process what they're feeling is mm. through anger. Yeah. So even like just the way, you know, the sadness, like, because we know everybody's different, but like yeah. with that anger, like what's normally like what's driving that? Is that your anger because that person is gone? Are you angry because you feel like you didn't take as much advantage with that person while you're here? Like that's some of the things. Yep. All of that, actually, all of that, depending upon like what your relationship was like with that person before they passed away. Like me and my mother weren't at odds. Mm -hmm. So we was cool. I mean, we had our, you know, everybody has their issues with their parents or their their relatives or whoever, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have a tumultuous, you know, dysfunctional relationship. And some people do. So it's like, you have unresolved issues with that person. So say, for instance, that person passed away suddenly, like my mother did, and you have issues that you didn't resolve. Well, you could still be mad about that, you mm-hmm. know, and then now you're not here, so we can't resolve them. And then you might feel guilty about that, you know, because now that the person's not here, it's like, well, dang, especially if you got an argument or something like that. The last thing I said to this person was something really horrible. Now I can't do anything about it because they're not here no more. So like that anger is like, is something that's like 
definitely as far as individual base, that's a prime example of something being very unique and individual based to that person and the status and nature of the relationship with the person before they pass and after they pass away. So why are we still on the topic of kind of like getting through those stages, right? What does it look like to truly be in acceptance? Because like, I know everybody's different. Like we kind of mentioned it here and everybody's process of grieving is different. Like I know myself personally, I'm one of those people. I don't want to talk about it with a lot of people. Let Mm -hmm. me go sit down. Let me process my emotions. Let me come back Mm -hmm. to it. Right. But that may not always lead to, you know, the fastest and most efficient way of dealing with grief. Right. So like, what does it truly look like to say somebody has accepted the loss of a close member? Peace. Mm. One more summary. Peace. Like you're at peace. Of course, you're still going to miss the person. You're never going to stop missing the person. Mm-hmm. You're technically not ever going to stop grieving the person. Like, it's a lifelong thing. You don't mm-hmm. just get over it. There's no such thing. So it's okay to feel that random sadness whenever, like, you just oh, think yeah. of somebody and it's like, oh, I'm not over this yet. But it's not that you're not over it. You just... Just like you, you miss them. Mm-hmm. That's human you know, to miss somebody because you think about it, especially depending upon how long they've been in your life. If you grew up with them, that physical presence, not being able to hug a person, kiss them, say hello, I love you, whatever. You know, you miss that as a human being. You know, we miss that connection. And most of the time we don't think about the aspect of we say we think about the aspect that, OK, we're physical and physical passes on, physical changes form. But when it comes down to it, no, we don't. <laughs> well, that's facts. And that's just really, like you said, the human breakdown of what we are. Even like in this past year, when we first went on lockdown, like, you know, at first it was cool. But mm-hmm. once it kept on going through it, it's like, you know what? I want to see my family. I want to be it able. Had a lot of strong negative mental effects on a lot of people. Exactly. Yep. Or even like if you had a person that was in a nursing home. And they're on total, like, isolation. You mm-hmm. can't talk to them. So now it's like, yo, like, this is something different. Mm-hmm. And even, like, with the grieving process, because I lost my grandmother in 2017, right before I graduated school. And a few months right before that, I lost my godfather as well. And kind of like what you're talking about, like, it happened kind of like the same way. I was taking a nap after class. And, like, I got a phone call. It woke me up. Your godfather just passed. He was killed. He was murdered. And then another one, my grandmother, like, I had just got done with a final. Like, this is the week of graduation. I'm like, yo, it's good. Like, I was about to go take me a nap. And I took a nap and I woke up and I woke up to my aunt crying. Like, your grandmother just passed. I'm like, what you mean? Same with me. I just talked to her, not the day before, but two days before that, because I had came out here to do a job interview. Once again, about to graduate. And she was just telling me how proud of me she was and everything. She was ready to go to graduation. I was just like, damn, like, even for me, that was a weird process of like, even going to graduation, because I was happy. But at the same time, it was hard to accept that she couldn't even see one of these things. Because it was the same thing for me. Like, I grew up with her, like she was pretty much like my second mom. I was always at her house and stuff like that. So that process that whole 2018, it was very different. You just graduate. You're new in the world. You're trying to figure out. You already got post-graduation depression. Oh my God. Now I'm dealing with I'm trying to find that. a job. My grandmother, one of the people that I talk to all the time, a strong support system, asked her to pray for me. Like, it was a lot. And I thought something was wrong with me. But at the same time, I was just like, you know, like, it is a lot that just went on with you and your life. 
like you said, and it just came in those waves of bam, bam, bam. So even just speaking to like getting through it, it's okay to feel hurt. Like she said, it's okay to feel the way that you feel. And I definitely would just suggest y'all trying to figure out something that can help you bring peace. Like for me, one of the things was just working out. I'll either go work out, like go run or something just because it kind of brought me ease to my mind whenever I was doing some stuff. So whether that be painting, making music, doing anything like that, I definitely think that you should find something to where you can break through or find peace and something that can help you remain grounded and balanced. So anything that you love, like even anything that you and that person did together, you know, or something that they always wanted you to do. Like say, for instance, you had a dream and they're like, Oh, I'd love to see you do this or, you know, do something like they either wanted you to do or do something in honor of them that you know that they would love mm-hmm. as a way to pay tribute. Because that can not only bring you peace, but you're also, you know, including them, even though they're not still here. You know, it's like a part of them is still here through that. You want to say it was crazy? It's one of the reasons why my hair is growing out right now. What? Because of my grandmother. Like, (laughs) she liked my long hair. And I had cut it right before I had graduated. But then I grew it back. I was like, I'm not cutting it again. So. That's what's up. Yeah, that's crazy. I kind of want to switch a little bit of gears and kind of talk about mental health from a business standpoint or a personal finance standpoint. So how do you continue on with mental health and addressing those mental health issues when you're a busy person, maybe an entrepreneur, maybe a business owner, maybe just a busy person? How do you keep addressing those issues? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I am an entrepreneur. So <laughs> now I'm an entrepreneur. So now that the book is officially published, <laughs> but I would say for one, take some time, even if it's for like a few moments to set aside the business because we get lost in the sauce, like literally being entrepreneurs, Mm. you know, you wake up, depend upon, you know, what type of business you have. You might have a set schedule and I got to do this and I got to do that. All of that's distractions. You're distracting. That was like one of the things that I did like initially. And at the time I was doing my promotional gigs on the side acting. And then I had a part-time job with Dyson and my boss is like, why are you here? Like, didn't your mom just, but I needed to distract myself. I needed some busy work to do because who wants to go home and just bury your face in the pillow and cry for hours on end. You know what I mean? Sometimes you use your business or your job or whatnot as a distraction for you to not process and not really deal with how you're feeling. That would be like the first thing is to take moments, even if it's small, if it's five minutes here, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, and really, like, take some time to yourself. Self-care is, like, so essential. Like, whatever form of self-care it is, like, whatever that looks like to you, don't neglect yourself. Mm. And I'm kind of glad you brought that up because we definitely live in the self-care generation. Oh, Do you think sometimes you can self-care too far? Yes, if you neglect your responsibilities and procrastinate. Mm. <laughs> I'm working on that. I'm a uh, big procrastinator sometimes. <laughs> But I ask that because I definitely see that like on Twitter a lot. You know, sometimes people just be like, oh, I'm self-caring or whatever, but they put off the responsibilities. So how do you keep that fine balance between grieving, but also making sure you're taking care of the responsibilities? Because the question Kelly just asked was really good. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you do it as an entrepreneur? But at the same time, how do you not let that grief have a negative effect on your life and make the grief even worse? Because sometimes that can happen as well. Oh, no, definitely. 
for one, if you can possibly like and any entrepreneur, entrepreneur should do this anyway, is delegate. Like we take on so much and try to do everything. Like sometimes initial stages, obviously you have to do certain things because you're just getting started. But if you're in a position to delegate, even if it's one small task, like hand it off to somebody else. Set up like we were just talking about this in the, the challenge I mentioned earlier about systems. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm helping um, a fellow entrepreneur friend of mine with, you know, setting up systems, his business. And then as I scale my own business, that's something I'm planning on definitely doing is scaling and setting up systems and delegating as much as possible. Cause that's going to give you time to not only handle your responsibilities in a way that should be handled. So mm-hmm. there is no, you know, very few slip ups, or if you do have to step away for a moment, you don't feel bad. You don't feel guilty. You're not worried about, you know, somebody dropping the ball or, you know, customers being unsatisfied, your vendors being upset, set up ways to help yourself win. Like don't set yourself up for failure. And I feel like if you don't take self-care time, that doesn't mean you take like two weeks and, you know, jet off to mm-hmm. <laughs> God knows where if you're not in a position to do that. But sometimes that's necessary. So if you set yourself up to win, that's something that you won't have to be so concerned with and you can properly take care of yourself because how are you going to pour into your customers, your clients, your family, your friends, if you're all messed up, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm, that's a bar. I, I kind of want to go into some of that that you just touched on with like, not just the ignoring responsibilities part, but the mental health and personal finances piece. Jalen, you kind of said that we're in this era of self-care. Like everybody wants to be like, you know, we taking care of ourselves and all that. Where is the line where we can identify for people that there's a difference between mental health Mm-hmm. And you bullshitting because I think too mm-hmm. often, and oh, I, that's a good way to exit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious, like, because in our society, we have that right now. I yeah. think people use because it's trendy, and this is an important topic in mental health as well. But some people sometimes want to use mental health as an excuse, it's to a, not crutch. Deal it has a crutch with yeah. their, their actual responsibilities. Honestly, if you're not really trying to like better yourself, and I'm, when I say better yourself, I mean like really self reflecting and digging deep. Because we all have issues that we may or may not ignore or avoid. Mm -hmm. And if you're not really digging deep and trying to figure out what those are and addressing them and handling them appropriately, then I think you bullshitting. Because self-reflection should be the start of what you're talking about. I should be looking at myself on a regular basis and saying like, okay, what can I improve? And it has nothing to do with anybody else or what anybody else has told you like that you need to work on. You should be evaluating self on a regular basis. Like, so, oh, I wake up too late. Let me make yeah. sure I start waking up this. Or I get some functions late. Right. How about I start leaving the house 10 minutes earlier or something? Right. Like or, that. I, you know what? I procrastinate. I'm a procrastinator. But that's a bigger issue, though. It's not even like sometimes people have things like that that really are symptoms of a bigger issue. Like mm-hmm. procrastination. I learned like I'm a perfectionist. That's another, they're both related though. Mm-hmm. Because you're a perfectionist, you tend to procrastinate. Because you want to put it off so you can make it really great. You want to make it great. You don't want to half it. I'm that way about a lot of stuff. But at the same time, if you keep operating in that space, the things that you need to put out there that people need to receive, they're never going to get it because you're so worried about the presentation as opposed to the message. And that's something I've, me personally, I've come to work on just doing what I'm talking about right today. Like this literally has forced me to like, okay, don't worry about like the first time I did the speech and I still have to send you guys the link. 
I was a nervous wreck the day before. And the friend mm. I'm talking about, he was like, what is, you got this, you got this. <laughs> getting pep talks out. And then when I did the speech and he was like, man, I don't know what the hell, I'm about to arm wrestle you or put you in the head. Like, what was you worried about? I'm like. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't know because it's uncharted territory. There's mm-hmm. new territory for me, but I wanted to deliver because I knew the importance of the message, but I was overthinking it though. Mm-hmm. Just like little things like that. Okay. I like that. And I kind of want to talk back about the book and the way that you wrote it to be interactive yes. as well. Like what gave you that idea of that format, the way that you're going to do it. And what was the process actually putting the pen to pad? Like, how long did it take for you to write it and get it out and everything like that? Oh my gosh, this is whew, child. I take another sip of wine. <laughs> you might as well. Oof, because sip sip. So, like when I say I got the inspiration for it, that was 2018. So I was still freshly grieving at that time. But I was also transitioning in life in general. And mm-hmm. you know, when you try to start something, a new company, a new idea, a new job. Mm-hmm. You know, you have life gets in the way, especially during that type of process. Mm -hmm. You know, things get thrown at you. I got to pause here or pause there. And if anybody's like watching as a writer, you know, you have sometimes you just have creative blocks. And the worst thing you can do is just force stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to force it. If it don't flow, it don't go, literally. So I've had to stop along the way because it's just the words just weren't coming sometimes. And there are different things happening in my life between me moving, trying to find my way. Moved back to Detroit. I actually lived in the suburbs um, in Troy, Michigan for a long time. And then after my mom passed and I ended up finding some place back home in mm-hmm. Detroit. The funny thing is, this is how, again, with divine timing and guidance and all that, it was around the corner from where I grew up. That's crazy. Right. Literally. <laughs> then I started meeting people, you know, like another thing I'm heavily into, which we've had to talk about how I watch certain podcasts mm-hmm. about real estate. So I'm heavy into that. Definitely one of my first two properties by next year. And so, like, I was to start, you know, you just put yourself out there. I was like, I need to put myself out here. I moved back. I started learning the lay of the land, Detroit. There's a lot of development going on, even in the midst of the pandemic, and things are starting to pick back up again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, this is new. This is new. So that kind of, like, sparked my creative energy, meeting mm-hmm. people and networking. And then, you know, you start talking to people, and then you learn different things. Like, somebody put me on to, you know, how you – properly get your barcodes, your ISBN numbers mm-hmm. for your book. There was somebody, I had worked with this person before, like a long time ago. And they were like, oh yeah, let me give you a resource. So those random things started happening and that kind of moved me along in my process. And then how I came to do the speech, that was like a fluke. Like I was still working for Dyson at the time. I was in the store. Like I work at a Bed Bath & Beyond in Southfield, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And the young man that came in, Keon Clinton, a good friend of mine, he was a professional speaker also and he also is a fitness trainer and a bodybuilder so his mother worked there and he would come in periodically to see her mm-hmm. and so we just you know just start a conversation started a conversation he was telling me about not told him what i was trying to do with the book and everything he's like oh yeah it's a good story like most people tell me and so he was like you know have you thought about speaking and i was like no not a speaker you know i'm an actor but i'm not a speaker really. You know, I've heard, that's all you, what you do. You was, was a speaker. He's like, I'm saying, just come out to these auditions. I'm like, okay, I'll come check you out. Since you invited me, 
And so it just happened like that. Like I went down to the auditions and I wasn't prepared to do anything, audition or anything. I didn't even know you had to have something prepared. Hmm. And so I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and watch. And so Sean Fair, who was his partner on the tour, he just kept looking, just kept looking at me. I'm like, dang, I'm going to keep looking at him. He's like, so you're going to get up here and speak? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to hang back for a minute and observe. And he looked at me again. And I was like, okay, fine. Let me get up here and speak. I was like, I'm going to let you know I'm winging it now. He's like, go on up there and wing it. So to make the story short, got the email like, hey, we want you to speak. You know, you've been selected, blah, 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 blah. And like the rest was history with that. So that literally was like the beginning of the book, even before it was, I had finished writing it. And last year, toward the end of last year, I was done finally mm-hmm. um, writing it. But then the divine guidance and timing kicked in. And you guys remember that joke about, yeah, about the, the blue screen? The winter solstice. Remember that jokes about super black people? Oh, yeah, the superpowers yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That was like December 21st, like right before Christmas Eve. And that's already a rough time of the year for me, just in general, for obvious reasons. And so, like, I was already, you know, in that space of feeling down and trying to figure out if I'm going to participate in the holiday cheer this year or not. And like the night before the solstice, my computer crashed. <laughs> Damn, that that was not screen, a superpower. I was like, <laughs> Okay, guys. It was a like, super problem. It was a super mega problem. I was like, okay, guys, I, I know this is for a reason, but I don't understand what possible reason this could be. So you had to start back over from scratch? I had to start. Like, luckily for me, I did two things right. And if you're writing, please back up, at least back up your text. Your manuscript. Like, yes. I had to back up my text of the majority of the book in Google Drive. Okay. The problem was like, once you see it, I'm going to send you guys a link for you to check it out. Like I have a background in graphic design. So I did the whole layout myself in Adobe Photoshop. The problem was that the computer didn't back up the Adobe files. So I had to lay out all the pages all over again. Luckily I kept the text. So some of the sections I was able to copy and paste the text, mm-hmm. but the design part was gone. You had to read, damn. That's the part that takes the most. Yeah, yeah I, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh God. But it worked out, though, because now the copy that's available on IRememberHer.net right now, the ebook, is better. So, like, from that time period, you know, Christmas passed, my birthday passed, and there was a group, a networking group I'm a part of called Pure Network. It's run by Epi Cochran. And the resources we share as entrepreneurs with each other, and one of the things that I apply for is a grant. And actually come to find out in March, I was awarded the grant. So I didn't have to worry about pre-sales and that no more. And I was like, okay, now, now I understand why. <laughs> so you got a grant to publish your book? Yep. No, it's not specific for that. It's more than enough money to do that and then some, which is why I'm down here. Mm. So now I, now I know why the computer crashed, why I was supposed to wait. That's why. Mm. <laughs> Once again, it all works in cycles. You have, you have, I remember her set up as a nonprofit organization or not yet. Oh. Now everybody keeps talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. They're like, you should do that. I have so many people in my ear like, you gotta do this as a nonprofit. You gotta counsel people. I'm like, okay, hold on, everybody slow down. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to accelerate the vision. <laughs> the reason I ask is because like normally when people hear about grants and things of that nature, mm-hmm. maybe specifically related to the mental health realm, they would only assume that it would be available to those type of services. No. So can you kind of get into how you got the grant? 
Like, what was kind of the process for that? Well, this was like, I was part of an actual peer entrepreneur group, and we just happened to share resources within our group. I got you. If you're a business owner, you've seen some of the grants that's been circling around last year. It was a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of different ones. Some of them were totally nonprofit, you know, centric based nonprofit. You had to be nonprofit. Others, you just had to be a business owner. And thank God that there are some out there like that because obviously wouldn't qualify for some of them. And then still others, you had to have already been in business and had a certain level of money that you, you know, earned. Generating. Yeah, mm-hmm. generating profits or you had to have a certain product, you know, because some of them are industry based. Mm-hmm. And mine, because it's so like much of a niche, it doesn't fall into a lot of the categories. So this was a general one through um, LISC. You can look that up. And they're a business grant. So they have different, you know, cycles where you can mm-hmm. apply. I think they do have some industry-based ones, but this one was a general one. And I was told that, like, other people in the same peer group applied for it and didn't get it. And I was the only one that got it. So <laughs> Blessings. <laughs> blessings on top of blessings. And grant writing. That's crazy. Hey, that's a future skill. But even, like, to your story, the way that, you know, you move back and you just started getting connected with people, Once again, that kind of takes it full circle, even like with the pandemic and just being connected with people can definitely help you as well, because you get to, especially if you're around a positive person, Mm -hmm. they give you some of that positive energy that you need. And you're like, oh, you know what? They're grateful. They're happy. You know, let me smile today. You just got some of those people, they come in the room with that energy and you just automatically feel great about yourself. And I said that to say, because it's like, (laughs) Sometimes, like David said, I want to just go sit by myself and go figure it out. But sometimes step out your comfort zone sometimes and just go be around somebody. Even if you want to grieve, go sit at a Starbucks or go sit somewhere where you can still work in public. You never know who God is going to send to your life to come talk to you and send you a message. He can't send it. If you're at your house eating ice cream, Mm -hmm. you might have a mailman knocking, but you ain't going to (laughs) answer. Or Jehovah's Witnesses. Your damn sure ain't gonna answer. I'm sorry because I know we ain't answer. If y'all drove with this, please forgive me. But I just know that's what my parents told me. Don't open the door. Hey man, I ain't gonna lie. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come by one time. I opened the door. Them boys came back like three weeks straight. Every oh, yeah. time while I was cutting the grass, and I was so mad every time. Like, come like, on, bro. Y'all see me? Here. You see me? I'm outside working. Like, <laughs> I'm sweating. Like, we just trying to have Bible study or something. We just to minister to you. Hey. Ain't nothing wrong with it, but <laughs> time and a place for everything. <laughs> but, but no, definitely alignment. Mm. So to speak on your point, definitely that change of scenery, just being around positive, uplifting energy, people that's moving and shaking, that changes your mental, you know, especially like you were saying, if you're kind of uh, isolated. You, you, you say, yeah, you're saying like if you're just sitting down at your house all day. No, you too. Because you oh, yeah, you definitely. by yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever I'm dealing with some shit, man, I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm the same way, though. Yeah, let me go sit down. Like, I don't want to burden somebody else with mm-hmm. my problems. When's your birthday? When is it? Yeah. February 28th. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I heard you say, you know, your birthday was coming up. I was like, his right, birthday is in December. December. Yeah, ah. That was some December stuff. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I was just I was trying to see, trying well, to connect that, the dots. That's a whole nother podcast. It breaks <laughs> all that down. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I just don't want to be a burden to people. And then, like you said, about your energy can affect others. So if you're constantly negative, that can tend to rub off mm-hmm. on someone else. And I never want that. You know, I'm a pretty positive, upbeat person most of the time. I'm human. Mm-hmm. You know, you get depressed, you got to go through things. But for the most part, you know, 
I keep a positive outlook because things could be worse. And then sometimes you just have to find that silver lining when things seem overwhelming and hopeless. Sometimes you have to look for that bright spot to push you forward and keep you going. Hmm. Word. So you had another question? I do, but you look like you was about to say something. <laughs> uh, it's good. I'll let you ask your question. So I, I was just about to say, you know, about like getting through it and everything like that. What could you leave someone with? Like just maybe they're just experiencing this and they're trying to find out or trying to figure it out. Or maybe they're stuck in that anger phase. Mm-hmm. How do you get through that? How do you break through that? Especially that anger one, because I definitely see that because we were talking about this actually before you came in. Jared was uh, talking about some rappers. rappers. Yeah, like even just rap culture, like a lot of people don't understand that all this killing, all this violence, all of oh, yeah. everything that's going on, that's it's really they're just not, grief. That they're not dealing with it properly. You're hurting because someone from your clique got hurt by this person, mm-hmm. and now you want to inflict that same hurt, and then now it's just a cycle. Oh. I'm hurting you, you hurting me. My mama hurt me whenever I was little. So now I'm just upset with everybody. Now, so, I'm, smo- now I'm smoking on Tuka. So how do you move past that? Like, how do you break through those cycles? Because that's something that we preach on this show is like breaking generational curses. And I think a lot of generational curses are rooted in trauma and in some of those like really just hard feelings. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree with that. So I've been like doing like a lot of research just on other not holistic, but mental health space, mm-hmm. people, you know, Instagram and what. There's a lady, well, she's not one of us, but she has some really dope content and she just dropped a book and it's like selling like hotcakes for one. But she talks a lot about that, like just deep rooted trauma. And one thing she talks about a lot is your inner child, hmm. you know, healing your inner child. And that speaks on what you just spoke about, about stuff that happened to you in your childhood that you either are unaware of or you're not willing to face and address and let it go. But sometimes you need help letting it go. But if you don't let nobody in to even start that journey, you have to be willing to let people in. People be like, oh, I don't need no help. Oh, that's not a problem. I mean, that's something I had to deal with in a previous relationship. That person was very traumatized. But if it affects everybody around you, you know, especially your close relationships and what tends to happen a lot not bashing on the fellas, but, you know, the anger. Because society-wise, you know, you guys are taught to repress, avoid, ignore. You view this as being soft. You know, you weak if you're vulnerable. Those type of, like, toxic, non-helpful stereotypes and lessons that you are ingrained in you from childhood. Male and female examples, because men and women do that to kids, you mm-hmm. know. On the one end, you got your dad or male members of your family. Oh, man up. Oh, man, what you crying for? You know, telling you that's weak to cry, different things like that. And then you, on the flip side, you got the women that do the same thing to guys. And so it turns into problems as you get older, though, because then you don't know how to relate, especially to the opposite sex, because you don't even know how to process your own feelings, your own emotions. So how can you possibly relate and be a support system? to someone else if you have even dealt, you're not even supportive of yourself. Mm. I kind of just want to talk about the, you said like, my point is there's a lot of confusion when it comes to identifying trauma as especially from a young mm. age, because yeah. it seems normal to a lot of people. So there's exactly. a lot of people that don't even realize that that's not normal. That's not something mm-hmm. that's happens at every household. Right? Yep. I think that's something that's big that we got to try to do is kind of 
talk about our childhood, talk about what we're going through, what we've been through, to try to see how we can help each other and how we can talk about it and discuss each other's childhood and to try to discuss, you know, what hurt we're going through or what other things we're going through. Creating safe spaces for that. Like I've seen, I've, not in particular, but there are some people I know personally that they've created spaces. I know there should be spaces for us, like as Black men and women, to collectively process. And then there should be individual spaces. Like for men, you know, you guys come together like-minded and support each other and say, hey, you know what? No judgment. You know, you got something to get off your chest. This is a safe space for you to say whatever. You know, it stays here. Or you just need somebody to listen. A friend of mine, we were having a conversation and I was just talking about how we all need to be seen, heard, and listened to. Like that's a common human theme. Mm. Black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter what color or race you are. Everybody needs to be seen, heard, and listened to. I don't care, you know, what walk of life you are, how old you are. That's a common thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you just need to, you know, stop talking. Just let the person talk because you don't know what people are going through. And that little simple gesture can make somebody's day or they can feel like they need to, you know, go ahead and address hidden traumas that they don't have nobody to talk to about or because people bash them or ridicule them. So we like we all need those to create those spaces. Like if you don't have a space like that already in existence, like go out and create one and invite others maybe in your circle or not in your circle to, you know, come in and collectively like we hear we're going to support you, listen to you, whatnot, and vice versa. Power in having that community of people. That is. Yeah. That safe space, as you mentioned. And I kind of wanted to talk about one more thing. Like, in our community, counselors and therapists, mm-hmm. that's something that's like, a lot of times, we don't want to go to a counselor or a therapist because we're automatic. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What you yeah. talking about? Why I got to go see a mm-hmm. counselor out there? Ain't nothing wrong with me. So, like, was that something you took on your process? Did you have a counselor or a therapist and do you suggest some people going to counseling or therapy? Honestly, I haven't gone to one yet. Mm-hmm. It's not because I don't want to, though. I definitely see the need. And honestly, my need has become different now because I have this platform, because I wrote this book. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a counselor or therapist to other people. Mm-hmm. From the time I was yay high. I don't know. This is another buzz, trendy word that people are starting to use, but an empath. If you don't know what an empath is, an empath is somebody that can naturally pick up on other people's emotions and energies and take it on as their own. Mm-hmm. Like you feel things deeply and you tend to be sensitive. And again, sensitive is something that's usually told as being weak or something's wrong with you because, but no, it's a gift and the curse at the same time. And it's only a curse if you're not balanced, if you don't know how to protect yourself, if you don't know how to use that gift to help other people. Because the sensitivity was given to you for a reason. It was given to you to help others. Mm. But I've come to know, like I knew I was always that way, but I didn't understand until this happened. And it's like, okay, now I get why I feel things the way I feel. But now I've been, again, we were talking about introspection. Mm -hmm. I've taken some introspection to understand myself. And so that type of thing, just being able to like, that's how you help people by knowing more about yourself. Mm-hmm. I just want to speak to one thing Jalen kind of was touching on, like the stigma of mental health mm-hmm. in our black community with like the whole therapist, doctor whole thing. I feel like the cost of it 
and like the fact that it's not covered by most insurances definitely plays a role in it. That was my it biggest does. role yeah. before. Yeah. I, I think it's but, very prohibitive, but I also people found still out. can go talk to people that they know. It's also, I, also, I also found out that it's really not that expensive, bro. Like $74 or less than $100 for some session. Like at the same time, like we might say it's, it's expensive, but we'll go cope and go buy $50 worth of weed and $40 worth of alcohol. You're not going to have one one-hour session. But I'm saying, though, at least working towards, at least getting that one session out of the way. Because you're not going to have one $50 sack of weed and one bottle of alcohol either. I'm just putting it into perspective, like, the things that we'll prioritize, the way that we'll cope. But sometimes, instead of just coping, we need to actually deal with the problem at the root of the problem. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Those are both valid points. For me, it definitely was cost. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have insurance, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, insurance is already crazy expensive. It is. And like to his point, when he was just saying, you're not going to just need one session. You won't have to go, depending upon how deep the trauma is, you're going to have to go multiple times. And that mm-hmm. adds up real quick. But to your point, you have a valid point. You know, you will go spend on this and spend on that. The problem with that is because it's not that some people don't see the value of going to a counselor. It's because they don't want to do the work. It's hard. Mm. It's really difficult to dig deep and look at yourself and say, I got a problem. And so people would rather do other things to cope because they don't have to look within and really focus on the problem. Yeah. I actually was going to hop in and like agree with all y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because like even with my own little personal anecdote, like my own like things that I've been through, like from what y'all are saying perspective wise, it makes sense. Like, just kind of my little personal story. I lost my grandfather while we were in school. Um, and whenever I lost him, like I found him. He had had a massive heart attack. I had just spoken with him that previous day. I found him on the floor just going to go check on him. And then so like that really, being honest with y'all, had messed with me. And for a long time while I was in what we were talking about earlier, like that tailspin, I wasn't really telling anybody about it. I wasn't trying to reach out for help. All I was doing, commending to what Jalen had said, you know, just being honest on the podcast, I was smoking, I was drinking. There was a long time where I was not sober just because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to cope back to what you had said. And then finally, my mom got me to see somebody. And once I spoke with him, I had for multiple sessions going back to what I said earlier. But after I finally went and I did have to like, you know, write some papers and do some different stuff working through it with him. Like I did feel better, but I can like understand just all those perspectives of like, not want to do it because like I don't really even feel like it or you know you can't afford it or you don't want people to be spending the out-of-pocket costs but at the same time too you're doing all these other things to try to help you cope and deal with it in the meantime because bear in mind I'm still in college I'm struggling in classes it's being sober is not helping me study y'all like (laughs) so (laughs) with that type of stuff being said like sometimes you just have to take a step back if you can like Take a step back from your situation and try to see that you're in a situation in the first place, because I didn't even know that anything was wrong with me. So, like, 
noticing that something's wrong with you and then reaching out to those people so that you can try to get help, whether it's your friends, whether it's somebody that will cost, whether it's a professional that actually can help. If there's any students or somebody listening on a college campus, they more than likely have some type of help for y'all, possibly free on campus. But just doing whatever you can do to reach out to those people to try to get that support because coping will only help you stay in a cycle. Whereas like talking with somebody or dealing with a professional will help you get out of it. Yes. Amen. That was just my little <laughs> my little <laughs> anecdote I wanted to throw in there, man. <laughs> I like that, Jared. That was a bar. It that was, was perfect. Yeah, that was nice. This is a good that's, episode. Yeah, that's y'all. To like wrap it. that. Wrap a bow on that conversation. <laughs> I feel mentally I, I'm healthy glad you right shared now. Your anecdote too, Jerry, because I definitely wanted to ask you about like how you dealt with that. Because me and Kelly both lived with you at that time, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it was interesting to hear you like talk about it years later. Yeah, because like I mean, I know I wasn't really telling y'all as much of what was going on. Because like going back to what we were talking about, it's not something that you really yeah. like openly discuss. You know, it's like especially black males like it wasn't anything i wanted to talk about y'all like hey i'm sad because my grandma i I miss my grandpa and it's not like nobody was there to talk to you all right there like right and i knew that they were people that i could talk to like that's another thing for the audience that really understand like i knew that they were people that i could talk to that would not judge me i just didn't want to do it like i just did not feel comfortable with it because that's not something that i grew up doing and something that we alluded to like i hadn't grown up talking to other black men about emotions like hey i'm sad hey i don't feel good most of what we talked about was how was the game <laughs> you know what i'm saying we about to go party like we about to go do some stuff like but just saying that that's why i wanted to throw that in there like y'all please if you are in that tailspin i know it's hard to get out like try to see if you can get somebody that can help you i was gonna say another to your point from earlier we were talking about not really wanting to bring others in Mm -hmm. to how you were feeling about, you know, your situation. A lot of people probably have experienced something similar. You know, most people don't really know how to touch on death anyway, especially if they haven't experienced it directly. And a lot of times, like I experienced this personally and my brothers and my cousin also to a certain extent, people that may or may not have known the person that passed away, they don't know really what to say Mm -hmm. or do. And so when you're freshly grieving, especially depending upon which stage you're in, if you're in the angry stage, it definitely will set you off. But <laughs> people will say things like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or if there's anything I can do. or The, the same generic. Yeah, it's like, what the f- can you do? But the thing for me is offer to do something. Ask me, what do you need done? Don't tell me that, you know, whatever you need me to do. Or if you're here, because like you said, sometimes you don't want to talk. Sometimes I can talk to I'm blue in the face. Shout to the mountaintops about, you know, my mom. Other times I don't want to talk about that. And that was like literally the stretch of my emotions, especially early on. It's like you've talked yourself to death. You cried yourself to death. I don't want to talk, especially if the person is not even really close to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's somebody in past that you may have known, maybe, or may or may not have been close to that person. It's like, why would I even want to talk to you specifically about it, though? (laughs) And that's perfect. Yeah, I think that's perfect because I kind of ran in that situation yesterday. Somebody we all know. I was texting him and he just told me his brother just died. Mm. I was just like, oh, I don't even know how to like respond to that. But I just let him know, like, is there anything I can do for you? You let me know. I'll do whatever you need to do. So I think that's a perfect example of what to do if you're in that situation. Yeah, definitely. Like, don't put it on that person to reach out to you because mm-hmm. you're already dealing with enough. Like, I'm not into mental space. 
the emotional space to find out what it is that you can do for me. Ask me, what can I do for you? Mm. It's a bar. Hey, this is some real. Some yeah, this is real heavy, y'all. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> like, cool. All right, we're going to wind out of the thing. We're going to wind into the last segment of okay. our podcast. So, Kiana, yes. I want to ask you what's on your timeline? What's something you've seen on social media, the internet? I know anywhere. you're participating in a 30 day oh challenge. God. So, maybe you want to talk about something from that. Like, what's going on on your tier? Man, well, the 30 day challenge I was supposed to do first off a boomerang before I got here in the morning. And I'm like, okay, this we still got sunlight. I was about left. to say, we still on the hey, fifth. I did get my suitcase rolling toward my rental car. So <laughs> I'll squeeze it in there somehow. Of course, it was probably on most of our timelines this whole bonnet debate. Oh. And then this whole, um, is there some little. There's a bonnet debate going on right now? Yeah. A little tidbit about your boy KS that I saw yesterday. Oh, I didn't see anything with that. But yeah, I'm, please expound upon it. I want to get into this bonnet debate first because I seen somebody with a bonnet on at Walmart yesterday. So what's going on? I, yeah, I heard a little bit about this I've, bonnet. Stuff. I've heard uh, something about <laughs> it. Who, it was, was it Monique or something? Yeah. was like, why? Yeah, yeah what's she saying? Like going out in your bonnet is unprofessional or something like that? Some it's crazy. Just, well, you know, the previous generation, our parents and grandparents, they just think they didn't go out a certain way. Mm, that is true. And I know a lot of the bonnets are fancier now. You got these dope African prints. I see, yeah. She has mm-hmm. some, uh, what you call them on hers? What you call them? Some little? beads, some little bedazzles. Yeah, the little bedazzles shit on hers. I'm like, okay, you shine or whatever. Yeah. It's a bonnet. It's still a bonnet, though. I mean, people might be mad at me, so I don't know. But I'm like, now nah, I'll do my scarves. There's just so many other options to wear. Than a bonnet? Than a bonnet. So a it, bonnet it, is like wearing pajamas in public to me. You just don't. So, that's not it. Is it the same as a guy wearing a do-rag in public? It most certainly is. <laughs> so we can't wear do-rags in public? I don't lie, y'all. Y'all agree that it's the same as a hat. Like a hat, no, like everybody nah. has hats. Yeah. That's a hat not a good like analogy. I don't feel like it's the same as a hat. I feel like it is the same as a do-rag. Because like, it's protecting your hair. It's meant for you to go to Yeah. Really, what I think I it got my hair done and I'm trying to make sure my hair laid? Well, that too. That on over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really just depends. Like, I can kind of understand where some of the older generation has come from. Because I was taught that growing up. Just like, you yeah, know, yeah. you got to be dressed a specific way every time Make you sure go places. Wrinkle and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, too, I think they have to understand that it's kind of almost like the same conversation about tattoos. Like, we're young business people. If I meet you and you have on a bonnet, I don't care. We're still going to do business if, like, yeah. that's going to help us make money. If you have tattoos, we're still going to do business. Whereas, like, in an older time, I guess that may have been a thing that, like, held up deals and stuff sometimes. But it's like, that's not the way things are anymore. We don't care. I would you know. say definitely in a corporate setting. I mean, but I get where she was coming from is, like, some of us don't have pride in how we look. Mm, that is and that's true. basically yeah. what she was alluding to. Like, yo, at least put some effort into it. A little bit. I mean, dang. See, the old folks used to call that couth where I was from. They ain't got no couth about them. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like some Western shit, man. Hey, man, that's country shit. But no, nah, like, I can understand that, though. Like, just having an air of at least some type of professionalism about you when you're going to certain places. Like, I do believe there is a time and place for everything. If it's a formal event, I'm not wearing jeans. But, like, I can understand. Right. Gotcha. Well, 
Y'all got anything else? I ain't had nothing too much on mine. Yeah, I ain't got nothing else on my TL either. Just your boy, Sleepy Joe. You know, always doing what he do. Being a hoe. He's doing his thing. <laughs> we ain't going to talk about it. And check out our podcast on Patreon to learn about what is on our timeline. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, if y'all yeah. want to hear the extended, nice plug, di- Kelly. the extended dialogue and hear about what we talk about on our TLs, you can hear David get real out the box. Hey, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely music, uncensored. The new music that we listening it's, to. It's a after dark. Uh, no, 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 it's the BWR Patreon. You'll get to see some exclusive content, some behind the scenes content, get to see the raw and real us because a lot of times. We spend our time interviewing other people so our audience don't get to see some of the things that we like to talk about, some of the things that we want to express about as well. So if you would like to catch some of that content, definitely click the link below. Sign up for our Patreon. It starts as low as $5 a month. Yes. $5 a month, you get exclusive content. You get to talk to us. So y'all tap into that. Yes, I promise sir. you, you want to see what this guy said. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm never letting him let you down. Hey. I'm never. <laughs> Y'all tap into the Patreon. That's all I got to say. We got some fun stuff on there and some information too. It's not just all fun. It's information. Yeah. We're still the same. We still talking about wealth. It's just in a more, even more laid back environment. How the hell can really? we get more laid back than this guy? Hell of I know, man. <laughs> but we do it. We so, find a way. But there's, yeah. a will, there's a way. Before we wrap up, can yeah. we please let the audience know where can they follow you if they want to get the book, where can they tap in? If they want to get the new guy that you're going to come out with, like, just let them know, you know, plug yeah. yourself in. Most definitely. Most definitely. So you can follow me personally at Kiana M. It's spelled Q-I-A-N-A, the letter M as in Mary, on IG. And then on Facebook, when you put in my whole name, Kiana M. Davis, you can find me on Facebook. But the website for the journal, again, it's called I Remember Her, a healing journal. It's IRememberHer.net. So the guy that I'm speaking about as far as accepting coping strategies to deal with grief, that's going to be a freebie. So that's something I'm just going to give to the audience. All you got to do when you first go to the website, there's a pop-up box that pops up where you put your email in. So just drop your email in there. And then as soon as it's released, because I'm actually wrapping it up right now, I'm going to email it out to people. But the ebook for the journal is live right now. And I'm actually finishing up talks with my printer to get the print copy out to the public. It's lit. It's lit. Y'all definitely go tap in. Make sure y'all pick up a copy of the book because I know it's a lot of people out here dealing with grief. We've all dealt with grief in some type of form or fashion or even just trauma, really, in some form or fashion. Even like we all talked about, sometimes we don't even know what's going on. So like I said, I really did enjoy this episode. I appreciate being able to ask some of these questions to get to talk about some of these things. So once again, Miss Kiana, we appreciate you for so stopping by, coming through, kicking in with the BWR crew. Most yep. definitely. And if you are not grieving personally, I always encourage people, just gift it. Gift it to somebody else. Mm. Somebody else needs it that you may or may not know. That's a good one. That's powerful. Well, before we get up out of here, let's get into some house cleaning. Y'all, thank you. Thank y'all for coming in week in, week out, being tuned in, being a part of our family, listening to the podcast, helping us grow, helping us be successful because without y'all, we would not be here. Mm-hmm. Y'all the ones who listen, y'all the ones who keep on telling other people to check us out. So we appreciate that. 
we just want to say thank you for that. And if you've been here, if you knew, if you've been here for a minute, we always ask that if you want to help us to continue to grow, you leave us that five star rating or review. And yes. review. five star rating and a review. Yeah. We ain't asking for oil, we asking for and. Leave that rating and that review. Let the mm-hmm. people know how you feeling about BWR. Why you rocking with it? If it's some stuff that we can improve on. Yeah. If y'all feel like we talking about the same shit over and over, if y'all tired of the format, let us know. We listen to y'all. We definitely take all of the feedback that y'all get. Mm-hmm. Sign up for BWR Academy. Yeah, I was just about to get into that. Y'all BWR make Academy. Sure y'all yeah. Number one community for personal finance yeah. in the world. Calling it right now. Yeah. Taking it and proclaiming it. We getting Dave Ramsey, all the mold out of there, you know. Yeah. All um, that archaic shit. They got to go. Building, Y'all come mess with BWR Academy. Building a great community with great people. Come learn about building your whole personal finance goals. We try to help you reach. Mm-hmm. That's the community. Is. Sure. And just to throw it in there, I'm throwing my personal picks for stocks in there. I'm throwing a whole bunch of just game, all kind of games. Just Kelly going, going crazy. Yeah, Kelly has been going crazy. That's all I got to say. All I'm going to say is I invested in two ARC ETFs this week. Hey, shout out to you, my brother. Yeah, man. I didn't know there was an ARC space one. Y'all know I had to get in that shit. You're a space nerd. Y'all know I had to get in that shit. All right, I'm going to be a space nerd until I'm a space billionaire in a few years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be laughing at y'all niggas all the way to the moon, too. going to be on Mars. Nah, I'm not going to Mars, but my pockets is. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba. 